0: Okay, welcome to No Holds Barred Witchcraft. Today, we're talking about magical tools. So, Chris, does size matter? What are your thoughts?
1: (laughs) Yes, I went there. (laughs) Depends what we're talking about.
0: Swords, I guess. We'll start with swords.
1: How big's your sword? I don't actually own any swords, believe it or not. You're the expert on swords. Well,
0: I've got one sword. It's quite big. And blue.
1: Are we still talking about your katana?
0: Yeah, we're talking about my katana. I do like a katana. I do get told off. Ceremonial magicians don't much like the katana, and the Wiccans hate it even more, because they always go on about the double-edged sword and symbolically representing the fact that it can cut both ways and that you can hurt other people, but then you can also be hurt yourself. So, you know, a great power comes with great responsibility. However, with the Katana, it's only cuts on one side. So I get told off a for cultural misappropriation, um, which I don't much care about when it comes to the Katana use. Um, and also told off that it doesn't have the right symbology. But if you notice, for those that have seen my katana, and I'll probably put a picture up in the No Holds Barred Witchcraft. We'll start a thread about magical swords, I think. Um, It's blue. Yeah, that might be a good one. Yeah, it's blue. Um, And that's because although I do take into the cank you know, the kind of traditional double-edged sword, Because I'm such a fan of me planetary magic and that, and I look at balance in that way. I look at Mars being red, Jupiter being blue, Mars being aggressive, and Jupiter being more benevolent. So I chose to to wield a blue sword on the rare occasion that, you know, these days in these modern times that you have to sword fight and such. That I thought I'll go with the blue sword, and I'm told it matches me eyes, so you know. (laughs) (laughs) but no what sort of tools do you actually use then because i don't think we're much on using tools unless it's tools to actually make um actual crafts so traditional crafts like obviously you have a spinning wheel and that
1: i suppose to a certain extent i don't really use tools yeah beyond kind of candles and the occasional crystal but then even with crystals i you know me i prefer finding a rock somewhere than actually using a crystal so it's not like i even particularly um use crystals in my own work so we certainly don't use the traditional wands no we left those in the harry potter readings i think um yeah,
0: we, we're we not the type that wander around with magical staffs looking like Gandalf or pointy hats and cauldrons and stuff. I mean, another thing, they like to take the mick at me because I don't use a cauldron. I prefer clay pots because I can dispose of yeah. them and smash them up. But, you know, it is one of but those then to things.
1: Me, but then to me, a clay pot would be a much more appropriate way of doing work than necessarily using a cauldron because how many things do we boil down these days and to me when I think of clay pot clay pot, I think of grinding work and I yeah. think of cooking and yeah. and that sort of culinary art and I think of healing whereas yeah. I don't think of um when I think of a cauldron I think of gruel and Oliver Twist um I don't tend to go to um that's a magical object so I can kind of get it, you know, particularly I imagine um, those that like Celtic and the symbology that comes with uh, using a cauldron, I imagine. But I don't really, I don't really connect with the symbology. I don't.
0: Well, even Lady Poison uses a slow cooker these days and she's a traditional witch, you know.
1: Well, exactly. <laughs>
0: but I suppose, I suppose we should really define what you would class as a tool. Because would some people class candles as a tool? What what is it that you would use to define the tools of of witchcraft? Because the iconic ones are the ones that you see people wielding in rituals and and those sorts of settings and on television. So you've got your cauldron, your broomstick, your uh, magical wand, and all of that sort of thing. We don't really use any of those.
1: Yeah, I think I think a tool has got to be something that's used for multiple use. Yeah. So I don't yeah. think you could class herbs as tools of the trade or or candles or oils necessarily, because unless you're using them multiple times, if you can't count your consumables, as we would call them, um, as tools, I guess, even though they're included under the umbrella, I guess. I just... Um, I would think more in the things that are used for ritual use, I guess, is what most people would consider a tool. So your wands, your swords, your incense burners, and um, your cauldrons, and all that kind of um, paraphernalia. Yeah.
0: Well, the dictionary defines it as a device or implement, especially when hand held in the hand, used to carry out a particular function. So, you know, when it comes to the difference even between tools and machinery, I mean, is machinery a tool? So your spinning wheel, would you class that as a tool?
1: Well, I would on the fact that it's something, it's an item that's looked after for the same repetitive use. I wouldn't necessarily, I don't use a separate spinning wheel for spinning normal cloth that I'm working on and spinning magical yarns. Um. So, yeah.
0: So when it comes to the tools that you do use then, would you say that, because a lot of people go into, especially in paganism and and that sort of an area, and modern witchcraft, all about the consecration and stuff like that, where you'll have magical tools only used for magic, are you like me and that you'll use your pestle and mortar or, you know, your tools for multiple things? or do you keep it sacred for for working just magical practices?
1: It depends, so with my pestle and mortar, I, I would go with separate ones for separate things, mainly because one of them you're going to use for culinary use, and I suppose um, the only reason I say that is just in case you happen to, most of the things obviously we use, we will always use something that is consumable anyway, But, obviously, if you happen to put something like frankincense in there, you're not going to accidentally want to be eating resin. So, it would more be that use. So, utility use, rather than because it's magical use. I would focus on that. And the same with, like, I've got a separate slow cooker that I use for dyeing yarns. Um, Again, it's just because of the chemicals that I use, it just means I don't have to be as careful cleaning it but yeah. whereas my spinning yeah. wheel I use for both so the only difference would be I probably would smudge it between <laughs> if I've done something particularly bad before um before then using it to knit somebody's socks you know mm.
0: um well I suppose the difference with us is the fact that because we do a lot of production line stuff we could constantly see clients you know professional witchcraft is essentially partly a production line in the fact that we have a store that we're constantly churning out magical oils and various things so we for us it makes sense that you would have equipment specialized for certain practices and even though we do have i think it's fair to say equipment that's specialized for certain things I personally don't tend to treat it as sacred, you know, the closest no. thing to a sacred um, tool that we would use is essentially um, either my magical sword, which I only use uh, when teaching ceremonial magic or some forms of ceremonial magic, which I don't do that much of nowadays. Um, or you could think of our skull, the human skull we use. That's would you class that as yeah. a tool? Because I think most people probably would, but some people that might make feel uncomfortable. Yeah. To think that someone scores. Yeah.
1: I think we call her a colleague. Yeah. So that's slightly different for us, I guess. Um, Because we're not just working with the the tool of, yeah. She's not, yeah. I think it would be, it would upset her if we were to call her a tool. Um, And I don't mean (laughs) just by modern context. Yeah, But... Yeah, I would. I would say that in those such of situations, human remains or animal remains, for that basis, um, I think you'd be disrespectful to almost call them tools. But then, how would our oh, what what pseudonym did you call him last time?
0: Qu- Quinianus, Orcupinus. <laughs> so
1: you know, would would Quinius call them tools? how how would he approach them obviously that's different because it's necromantic work but surely there's a relationship built oh, the same way that we who work. knows
0: what that person gets up to <laughs> i'll have to ask him i'll ask him at some point um who knows he might even comment on the thread on the no holes barred witchcraft um facebook group but who knows um I don't know. I mean, nowadays, all I see when I see um, newer people that are getting into the craft and the modern approaches to craft and the books and that, it always goes on about, and particularly you see this a lot in Wicca, oh, well, we have this very pure um, affame, affame knife dagger tool whatever and it can only be used for ritualistic and ceremonial purposes and it needs this massive consecration and stuff like that well how how do you think that really varies that approach to the approach back in the day because when i think of a sword i would think well if it's a sword you would definitely be wielding that in battle to defend your tribe yeah you know okay you'll be using it for magical you know things but these sorts of things swords and that they don't grow on trees it takes a lot of effort especially no. back then to to craft yeah. them and although perhaps the chieftain or people that are higher up as you say in certain societies might have more intricate and fancier swords and stuff and then eventually you know as things go on then there are a lot of swords even in modern day look at britain and that that are just used for ceremonial purposes like knighting Uh, you know, if you're getting a knighthood by the queen, for example, she probably hasn't ever shed blood with that sword.
1: (laughs) No, but no, but she'd specifically call that a ceremonial sword. Yeah. And therefore it wouldn't be sharp. It wouldn't be actually designed for combat. So you've got a very different, um, type of tool there. You've got someone that actually probably does have a real sword that was there to kill people, and then you've got the ceremonial one that is there for to make sure you don't accidentally cut the person's head off when you're making them a knight. Like, you know, I can kind of see the point of having both swords there.
0: Um, oh, see, this is where we differ, because I, I hate a blunt instrument. I hate a blunt sword. When I see these people running around with these blunt swords and things like that, it makes me feel, it makes me cringe. And I think it says a lot about a person's practice that their sword's blunt, and often so is their magic.
1: (laughs) Yes, I suppose. But then we are talking, you know, in the example I just used, we are talking about something that is ceremonial and part of the pageantry, rather than you're not asking those MBEs to actually um, fight a war for you if uh, somebody offended you. So I think actually that's a suitable um, time to use a blunt instrument because it's, well, it's, it's, a, it's a different not a magical kind of working. Practice. I
0: suppose is it? It's not a magical working. But what about if you were to use a, a sword or a knife or something like that for magical purposes? Would you have said that?
1: Well, that was you... that to me would have to be that would have to be sharp. It would have to yeah. be actual. So because otherwise, how true is the oath? You know that. Um, oh, what's that scene from *Craft*? Um, Are you quoting *Craft* as in the film? Yeah. Oh, these knights, these
0: yeah. wiccans, all love you.
1: Yeah, that um, perfect love and perfect trust thing. You, it was. What was it? It's better to rush upon this blade yeah. than enter this circle yeah. with fear in your heart. That's what it was. Um, and in that situation, if you're asking somebody to take an oath like that then that, that should have actual consequence. So that, that, sh- that, sort, um, that athame that she was using, in theory, for me, should be sharp. Does that kind of answer the question?
0: Yeah, I mean, it just makes me cringe a little bit, because what I see too much of is people seeing something in a film, or reading something in a book, and, you know, very often it is those books that came out in the between the 1950s and now about witchcraft and magical tools and stuff. And it's very much a case of these people that run around in these circles and consecrating things and doing rituals that are wielding a sword. If you put an actual sword in in their hand, they wouldn't know how to use it. And a sword or any tool essentially is an extension of yourself. So for me, I don't know if I'd say that it's an empty ritual, but it makes me feel like the practitioner is quite blunt. And their magic is therefore blunt. Because if it's a tool, you should really be able to to use it. Because watching yeah. a, a proper craftsperson, no matter what craft it is, whether it's a magical craft or, you know, take textiles or, you know, um, masonry or something like that, if it's a craft, then the tools in a real master's hands make great work and what I see is it feels like cheap imitation and as well as I do think that you know to a certain extent is a case of witchcraft from a mundane person's perspective, often gets viewed as if it belongs to a different time, which partly it does. I mean, the fact that we don't necessarily all go around using candles and stuff nowadays, uh, candles, sorry, um, cauldrons, because cooking implements back then, everyone was using cauldrons, but nowadays yeah, we have their resources. We have slow cookers and, 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 um, uh, pressure cookers and stuff like that. So, you yeah. know, a lot of that comes down to the um, the visual, the visual aspect of it. What am I saying? Ugh, the aesthetic. Them, the aesthetic. That's it. Thank you very much. Yeah, a lot of it will come down to the aesthetic. And uh, I mean, how many people do you think come towards witchcraft because they like the magic versus oh, wait, no. come towards it because they like the aesthetic of it?
1: Well, I think that's a dangerous conversation for another time, but you know. Uh, so you're um, trying to get out of this one then? <laughs> I'm not trying to get out of it. I'm just yeah, yes. I'm just saying trying to get that out obviously... of it, everyone. You can, you can see. <laughs> no, no. I'm not trying to get out of it. I just, it's one of those where we've democratized to a certain extent the availability of tools in the modern world. So if I want a specialist, a knife for a filleting fish. I can order one on Amazon if I'm willing to pay for it. I'll get a better standard of one, and it rocks up. in In an ancient period, either you had that tool because you knew how to use it, or you wouldn't have had spent the resource in order to get such a tool. Whereas now, you know, you can go on eBay or Amazon and get. Um, every kind of athame you possibly want or you can get every type of pestle and mortar that you could possibly ever want made out of the strangest of things from the other side of the world and it comes in uh, comes next day, delivery from China
0: And how many of those people that actually buy those uh, tools and implements and that actually use them versus putting them on a shelf to look pretty? Well,
1: exactly, but some of them would say that that's they've got what they've got the tools that they need, if they were to use them. You but mean to they me, buy that's, that's just, just
0: on the off chance they might one day actually do some magic.
1: <laughs> Not exactly what I said, but I kind of meant that. Um, but the uh, what I was trying to say was more the fact that they're told that that should appear on their altar. It is yeah. part of the practice, and therefore they must have it. Like, you know, which is where it harks back to the kind of um, Catholic where all those items are there on show for other people to see Yeah, that must be there. Whereas, actually, I have no use for having a chalice. So I have never purchased a chalice. Um, I might have a, you know... A pretty candle that comes in a glass that I then go, oh actually when that's finished burning, that would make a nice use for that if that makes sense (laughs) where I've recycled the glass and gone oh actually bearing in mind I've already burnt a candle in it it's now been cleaned up and I can reuse it Um, if that hadn't have come into my life I wouldn't have gone and bought a chalice do you get do you get what i mean well i think most
0: of our stuff that's again our, our crafts very practical so we use practical things but where what would okay so if you were to create a magical tool for yourself what would you why would you want to do that so what 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 would make you go out of your way to craft a magical tool
1: well me personally probably a client asking for something is about the
0: asking you to make one for them
1: yeah would about probably be about the only time I would probably use something like that there was stuff I've made when I was still learning you know when I was in my teens um and I've kind of like you know made it never used it ceremonially at all but was intrigued as to all oh, those would look nice if i put those two things together and added those feathers to that twig i found and that little bit of off cut of of crystal um i've never used it magically but actually the process of putting those things together was the learning process so beyond actually doing i didn't use it for anything but at the moment it was um a what would you call it a uh, exercise for combining units at which point I was kind of like, you know I'd probably never do that again, but in that moment I had combined those items um, because they were found or because that in that moment of thought process those things came to me and then combined them into a piece um. Okay,
0: so what about, would you class a talisman, or I say an amulet, such as the necklace that you often wear, because you've used that for a purpose,
1: would you class that as a tool? Oh, that's an interesting one. Because I you am, technically suppose...
0: repurposed it, didn't you? You didn't craft it yourself from scratch.
1: No. But how
0: many people forge no. their own swords nowadays?
1: <laughs> well, Exactly. So with that one it was uh, interesting because obviously I'd bought it for an unknown purpose and then it found its own purpose. Um but yeah but that sort of thing is probably closer t- to what most people would wear robes for because I don't yeah. because I wouldn't go into making something as elaborate as a robe because I would do that sort of work energetically rather than having to create a tool Um with that it's just a trigger an on switch so the tool itself isn't a tool it's just the on switch to something I do energetically speak
0: well would you say like I tend to say or would you agree with me when I say that a tool is essentially like stabilizers on a bike it's designed to make your life a little bit easier so the more beginners often use more tools and then the idea really is to strip those tools away and get rid of them as they the get better don't need to anymore is that fair to say yeah and i think that's one, fair to say one tool i know that you absolutely love of course is tarot
1: oh don't <laughs> because tarot yeah. is a
0: tool that people never want to give
1: up no but again like you say i, I think that would go straight to the stabilizers Uh, motif that you use there because it's one of those where they're used to seeing and it's a comfortable arrangement Um, but surely at the point that you understand what the cards are and that they're just an extension at which point surely you think well to to grow surely I must move beyond them whereas some of these they like the they like the comfort I think of having them there there's yeah. a nice something to fall back on, um, like a child's also, for a
0: blanket or a nightlight. You
1: mean? Yeah, but to be able to be a little bit more fair about tarot readers, I guess is is the case of that works both ways. I know a lot of very skilled psychics that still use cards, but they use cards for the client. Yeah. It makes the client feel comfortable, yeah. um, and not necessarily because they're reading the cards. They just they've got the cards out for show because that's what a client expects to see, um, and I wonder if there's a certain amount of that that probably is in the sorts of products we design when we set up our shop um, and how it physically looks on a stall. We had that in mind too, surely, when we were we were designing how the the setup looks, because obviously to a certain extent we wanted it to represent us well, but equally had to set the bar as to what people realise what we do. Um, you know, because we definitely did that with the website when we first started, making sure it was kitted out with the things we expected people to want.
0: Well, I mean, yeah, a lot, that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, when you have the sort of business we that we have, we have to cater to other people's practice. Whereas if you are literally in the professional witches slash cunning folk whatever, where you're just servicing clients, which sounds dirtier than it actually is when you're just basically doing the magic for the clients, then you can have yeah. your own your own ways of practicing, I suppose. But we have to cater to multiple disciplines. Um, so what about okay, so being a classicist, what about tools from the ancient world for magical purposes? Do you think that they're or there was is it fair to say that there's a lot more of a case of you know the rituals not so much empty like you see with a lot of modern practice where everything in a ritual then or in a magical working is there for a reason or is it does it just too varied do you think
1: um it can be i just i think i you know i automatically would go to kind of Gre- greco-roman with that um which i'm assuming is where you want it to go
0: um i presume so but you never know you could just throw in a bit of egyptian
1: <laughs> in those you talk <laughs> in those you're talking about um ritual uh performance so because you're talking about ritual performance yeah there would be outfits and there would be specific headdresses or they might include uh, a liar or um you know to depict various god uh, gods and goddesses that sort of thing but the items would be working they would w- they would be workable objects so you wouldn't have something that looks like a liar you would have a liar that was specially made and on top of that would probably be so elaborately decorated that it was both beautiful and workable it you know um And those parts wouldn't be They wouldn't belong to that practitioner They would belong to the mystery school So it would be a case of Those items have been used For for, um, Rituals every year For as long as that Cult had existed And therefore they would only Replace it at the point That it was broken Mm. Or they'd probably repair it and repair it And repair it Um, Or you know that's where you get depositions in in sanctuaries is kind of when the items stop being fully working. So they dedicate them to the goddess and you'd, um, somebody would pay for a very nice new one. But yeah, you, in those situations, that is part of the performance. And so maybe to a certain extent, maybe some of these kind of um, pagan rituals are exactly that. They are a performance and written in such a way um, whether or not you class that as witchcraft is a slightly different thing. So, because it, surely if you, the bits of um, Greco-Roman that you would consider witchcraft would probably more likely be the devotion. So, um, a cursed tablet, that in its moment is created for exactly that purpose and and th- given to the, go- the god or goddess. It's not at all in, in the sense that you wouldn't reuse it again. So once it's given, it's gone. So would you class that as a tool?
0: Well, again, a tool is an implement that you're using um to get a job done essentially, like a screwdriver or something like that, just perhaps a little bit more sacred. I mean I know that from the witches that we meet, um, that are at of a certain level or above if they do public rituals for mundane people or inexperienced ritual they do involve a lot of drama in that because that's what people are used to seeing that's what people kind of expect I suppose but at the same time in their personal practice or in their practice as a private group or coven you don't have all of the extra bits and pieces so it is something that is quite amusing i mean we we run a witchcraft shop how many people actually come and buy tools from us generally it's just the inexperienced because the the witches and practitioners they don't want the tools they're looking for something super specific and they're really asking us to source something that they either couldn't already get you know most of the questions that we've been asked by actual practitioners is a case of well, I can't find this anywhere. Can you get this for me, or where might I get this? And it's normally some weird and ridiculous herb or something. Not so much at all. Um, you no. know, being craftspeople, of course, it'd be
1: an ingredient of some. Yeah, it'd be an
0: ingredient more than likely. But you might get the rare practitioner that knows that you are particularly good at a specific craft, so we'll commission you to design a unique piece for them. That's fair enough, that might come. But, you know, we don't sell a lot of stuff. I mean, yes, a lot of witches will buy pestle and Mortars and stuff like that, but they wouldn't necessarily go to a witchcraft store to buy that, you know? They would go to um, a a supermarket or something, or Amazon nowadays everyone buys everything from, don't they? Partly because we can't beat them on price.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, exactly, and that's what it kind of comes down to. Um, which means that we sell a lot of one you know one off items because actually you know that if you want a stock of those random things that might only meet the eyes of one one individual that wants it um just because we were drawn to it for whatever reason as opposed to you know ordering from nemesis now for a whole range of uh, something or other
0: plastic statues yeah. well again i mean again if we're talking about defining tools and stuff like that what about tools versus ingredients because i mean for some spell work you could say a crystal is an ingredient but at the same time you could also use it if you're using it over and over again it is becoming more of a tool you know so it is an interesting thing isn't it
1: well that's i mean like that's where i think like you say the um the pendant i wear um, when I'm going to see certain groups, um, tends to be um, tends to be there. Like you say, it starts as um, a one use. Then you realize the use is good, so you keep using it and keep using it. At that point, does it become a tool? Because to no. me, to me, it's just like you know, putting lucky pants on. <laughs> you know,
0: now you could say lucky pants are a tool, I suppose. Or you could say that it's a spell, but yeah, I, I suppose that the, the it's a more of a grey area than it Is There's not a really clear defining line. Um but I mean when and I'm same, trying to Yeah.
1: And we'd say we do a lot of work with Gri bags and charm bags with beginners. Do those classes at all if somebody's wearing something every day, like while they're working with it, but then they're altering it at all times? But then I guess the tool would be altered at all times. It's well not a tool, perfect the first uh, tools time you are often
0: it. used to make something else, I suppose. So if you've got a knife, then you're cutting something to make something a screwdriver, you're using you're using that thing to make another thing. Whereas I suppose, you know, unless it's energetic working or ritual working, magical working, that's a little bit different. I mean, we perhaps think of tools too much as the the physical type of tool so your loom or your uh, you know your knife or your mixing bowl or something like that I mean when I think of the tools I've got in the in the witch uh, in the cunning man's cabinet or the witchcraft chest I've got a pestle and mortars I've got some tarot cards I've got some knives uh, cutlery a lighter that sort of thing but all of those are just there to they're not really okay some of them do retain to a certain extent whether it's good or bad Um, energy, but they're not really, I don't consider them to be magical tools, they're just used for magical working
1: (laughs) yeah, and if you lost one, you'd just replace it, like whereas to me, you know a lot of effort goes into creating these ceremonial tools Yeah. that I think if somebody was to lose one of those, there would be a, a certain level of panic on it being kind of some version of irreplaceable um well i think yeah a lot
0: of the time also a, a particularly newer people or people i've even met people that would claim to be advanced practitioners look at magic as chemistry so they look that this thing plus this thing will always have this you know outcome blah, blah. so particularly when you look at left brainy kind of forms of magic such as ceremonial ma- magic and you look in the old grimoires and stuff they will say They'll give super specific requirements for your tools and they'll say, if you don't meet these requirements, your tool won't work. You look at the Bible and you look at, you know, the Old Testament and working with Yahweh and the, you know, the Ark of the Covenant and the the temple layout and all that sort of thing. You know, the tools that are used to make that or the tools that are used for that kind of ritualistic ceremonial magic very often is given without explanation. And the reader of the grimoire or the person that's using the grimoire or the text to try and work out, they don't know why, you know, there are those certain requirements. I mean, it goes back to the old thing about in some grimoires about the turtle blood thing, about turtle blood can be a substitute for your own blood when making contracts and packs and yeah. such. And it's kind of like, Well, why is that? And the book never says. Yeah. So no. If if there's one question you can ask um to, to distinguish between your average practitioner and an adept practitioner is the question why? Why? If they can't answer you why you're using a certain thing or doing a certain thing, then the chances are they've probably just been told to do it that way or They've read it in a book, and if they can't answer why, they probably can't answer how.
1: <laughs> and then it's a question as well: Why do you continue doing it then?
0: Well, I suppose for some, I mean, the ideas of uh, a lot of practitioners, they don't necessarily have the same benefit that we may have. um You know, a lot of people come to this the magical path for the first time when they're a little bit older and they haven't had a mentor and they're just stumbling around in the in the dark essentially trying to to find a system of magic that works and works for them um so it's a case of not fully understanding the system that they're that they're using i mean when it goes to grimoires grimoires are essentially written to teach someone else a system of magic but they're written to an extent that a lot of the information is held back on purpose And that's not even taking into account sloppy writing and the fact that the person that wrote it is a particularly great writer that doesn't explain themselves well. So, you know, it is a case of people just finding a system of magic that works not fully understanding it but getting it to the point where they can actually do something with it. You know, these aren't what I would call masters of a craft or the craft.
1: No they might just be effective at following someone else's recipe.
0: Yeah, well, it's again, if you're talking about chefs and stuff like that, think of people that are really good at following recipes and produce great meals from following recipes, and then think about the people that write the recipes, that tweak the ingredients, or come up with entirely new dishes altogether. That, I think, is a good way of looking at the magical world. The most people that cook read a recipe well, actually, that's a lie, yeah. because most people that cook go and buy ready meals and stuff like that. A lot of these people tend to just go by, <laughs> the, you just add a water, or you just stick it in the oven, it's all pre-prepared. Like the people that buy hoodoo oils and things like that, they haven't put the work in to make yeah. them. They want a spell kit or a spell candle, because all the work's there. The next people, you've got the, okay, give me a recipe book, I'll make it myself, following instructions. Yeah. And then you've got the real master's. The magical or culinary, if that's the equivalent, are uh, masters in the kitchen, like Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> they make yeah. their own dishes. They've studied different recipes. They see what each of the ingredients do and why. They know what effect it's going to have on the palate before they put it in their dish. I don't know if we've gone off on a little bit of a tangent now. We might do. We might a little bit. Bring this bit,
1: back. But to, I think it's um... <laughs> an it's it's an appropriate tangent, I guess. It's just the fact that actually, yeah, it's it's one of those that you'll start with, um, you'll start with, and I kind of almost want to use, uh, really badly a Harry Potter reference, <laughs> um, and actually go about the kind of half blood prince one when Harry's got the, uh, the book that's written by Snape. Um, sorry spoiler for spoiler alert. But the um, <laughs> but the um, the fact that actually there is the written book there and then hand-scribbled all over it is, well, actually, this works better if you only use this many. Don't crush it, uh, you know, don't cut it, crush it. Those sorts of things yeah. that you yeah. learn yeah. as you develop a craft. So, you know, I know the le- the amount of spice that I would want to put in uh, to a particular recipe. And it works the same way when, I think, when you're using... Um, Using, creating the perfect spell is a case of, well, actually, I'd normally use this, but my instinct kind of says, actually, try this this time, depending yeah. on who the, But again, I think that goes back to client work. And obviously, that's not going to be relevant to most people, but is, is why we have to stay so flexible. So I don't think in some ways we could keep to tools and still work as, flexi- uh, as flexibly as we do.
0: No, we couldn't keep to the same tools all of the time. But, I mean, you know, we, I mean, we'll use the Bible with Christians. That's a tool, essentially. I'll whip the old sword out, draw a circle on the floor and some chalk chalks a tool <laughs> for ceremonial magicians. So, you know, and for the herbal medicine and herbal classes and stuff like that, then you are using literally cooking, essentially cooking implements. For making your salves yeah. and your potions and tonics and all that kind of a thing so you know tools a tool at the end of the day just don't be a tool that's all i'd say yeah
1: i think the only thing we haven't mentioned um is obviously is that magic in the everyday so i think i approach my approach to magic is slightly different to most yeah um, in the sense that i would be putting magic into a cup of tea that I made for a friend actively without thinking about it. So, you know, or I often talk about, you know, adding cleansing practices into my daily routine when you're showering or you're brushing your teeth. Um, actually adding that layer of magic into the, work, the things that you do every day, in which case, you know, you could say that my toothbrush is magical or... <laughs> Well my soap yeah. is magical because I've used it repetitively um to receive, you know, to meet the same goal.
0: Well it goes back at to At which point anything
1: yeah, like... we use. Back,
0: back in the day, magic, what you would use in your everyday and incorporate it in your everyday. And nowadays it doesn't work like that. That's why nowadays they people are very much divorced magic from their everyday world. So they feel they need to do a ritual to do magic. You know, they need to go and step outside of the normal world when actually... The normal world is full of magic and you should be in when you're doing your cleansings you should be incorporating that with the way you physically wash your body and wash your house because that is what you're doing you're protecting your exactly. house from you know vile disgusting dust and stuff like that While well, you're also getting rid of negativity don't think it's separate it's not you need to combine the two together yeah. and that gets lost on so many people
1: and that's why they create specialist tools, because they separate yeah. it from the mundane. Whereas actually, you know, to be practising most efficiently, surely the two should coincide.
0: But you you can't get as much of an aesthetic, you see, from that. You don't look the part. you got to look the part. Then you got to wear the pentagram earrings. The, the neighbour's got then to see you using the old-fashioned brush and not a modern brush. They've got to see you using a besom. Otherwise, they won't think you're a just,
1: witch. Then just put the bleach, put the glitter in the bleach. And then that way, the glitter's there. It just means you're going to have to clean harder until all the glitter's gone.
0: That sounds like some next-level some next level Tatiana to me magical bleach you just add some fairy glitter and say a blessing
1: okay i think at that point we have to stop I think okay you've crossed the line now and... <laughs> well thanks for
0: everyone for listening to the podcast of course we have rambled on so if you're hearing me now you're a member of the secret club welcome to the patreon um and next time obviously we might expand on a couple of things what might next podcast be I'm not entirely sure, I'm sure we'll find a good subject to talk about.